When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oren, uh, hi, welcome to the Wrap Up Live. Uh, my name is Sahal Abdi. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host Oren Weisfeld. And tonight, oh man, I'm still, I'm kind of still recovering um, off of one of the most heartbreaking losses of the season for your Toronto Raptors. They lose to the 46 and 19 Denver Nuggets, 118 to 113. That brings the Raptors' record two games below 500 to 32 wins and 34 losses on the season. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock as we're going live. Oren, I know you watched uh, the end of the game primarily. Didn't really get a chance to watch um, that, that that first portion of the game. Um, and we'll get into why. Of course, you, you enjoyed some basketball even before the, the Raptors-Nuggets game, but um, I mean, let's start at the end, Oren. Where where do you want to start at the end of that game? The way it ended, the the, the referee calls, the Scotty Barnes getting tossed. I mean, a bunch of things happened. Let's just try and recap it for everybody watching. Uh, yeah, I thought the the end of the game was fascinating. Yeah, full transparency. I was I only got to watch like the fourth quarter, so I only really want to talk about the end of the game. But I actually thought there was a lot to talk about on both ends of the ball for the Raptors. Um, but we can start with like the refing and the controversy and really what happened at the end and then get into the more basketball stuff. But um, yeah, basically Nick Nurse challenges a call on it looked like Jokic hooked Scotty Barnes. At the very least, it looked like it wasn't a defensive foul on Scotty. Uh, instead, the foul was stayed and they got free throws. Next time down the floor, Scotty goes to shoot a layup. It looks like Jokic fouls him on the original shot, and then Scotty extends his left arm, and it's like it's like more of initiating contact. But I thought on the initial um, shot, Jokic fouled him, but they basically overturn the call, so Michael Malone wins his challenge. And then next time down the floor, this is what happens. Um, it's a one-point game at this point, still very much – in available but um a foul is called on Pirtle. Scotty says something. Scott Foster very angrily. Yeah. Uh, all the might in his arms, yeah. I didn't see the first tech that Scotty got, but um I just want to say first of all it's gonna show the clip of the Pirtle foul, which I thought in the first place no it's not. Okay. The Pirtle foul in the first place was not Really, it was a ticky-tack foul to call at this point in the game. Same as the Scotty foul on Jokic. But usually I've said on this show a couple times that the Raptors lose their composure with the refereeing. And it's a problem for them at times. Um, But I I can't even say that about this game. Because I honestly can't blame the Raptors for the reaction of some of these plays. Like, 
I was sitting there pretty objectively because I didn't watch the whole game. I wasn't that like into it as a fan. I was sitting there pretty objectively being like, okay, this Raptors challenge is going to win. And then the Denver challenge is going to lose. That's, that's how I thought it was going to go down. Both of them go against the Raptors. And then this foul on Jokic on Gordon under the basket. Three major, major calls go against the Raptors in the last minute of the game. It's hard not to react. So I'm not going to blame the, the Raptors here as much as I'm going to blame bad luck and refereeing. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's so much that happened in the last minute. I think it was minute 20 in the game. Uh, man, I thought at one point the game was over when Fred uh, kind of went to that high pick and roll that they were absolutely crushing the Nuggets on all night long from the beginning until the end. Uh, actually, right before Fred subbed in i think with uh just several minutes remaining both him and yakapurdo were on the bench uh, nick and nurse called a timeout because the offense just looked like they lost all sorts of creativity they just couldn't find a way to get the ball into the net and you know a couple minutes later here comes fred coming down court maybe i mean I, i'd say the one of the most important possessions of the game comes down court high screen and roll gets blocked by Jokic. at that point i thought okay maybe this game's over uh couple plays later i mean the raptors get the ball back Jakob fouls Jokic, shoots two free throws makes them raptors get the ball back fred draws a foul on i think it was kcp if i'm not mistaken um makes both free throws and i mean that's when just all hell absolutely broke loose for the raptors um and yeah like you said i just felt like no no call kind of went their way and you know oneself one thing um Myself and Oren do um, in these post-game shows is we try our best, even in those what we would consider poorly officiated games, we try our best to really uh, kind of focus and dissect the actual game, the players, um, the coaching, rather than just focusing on the referees, which is, I think, what a lot of people kind of tend to tend to do, right? Especially if there's a, a what they believe is a horrible call late in the game, but or and this is different. This is like, this is like I, I won't call them horrible calls. I guess just to be, I'll call them question, very questionable calls. Um, very questionable call after very questionable call after very questionable call. I mean, if we're gonna give the Nuggets some credit, Jokic made his free throws. Jokic seemed like he was being held, you know. Um, you know, offensively, in a, in, a, in a, he's being contained by the Raptors pretty well. I mean, you look at the box score and you say, okay, Jokic had, what do you have, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists? Like, that's an incredible game if you look at the box score. But this could have easily been one of those monster, monster games for Jokic. So, I mean, one of the pauses for the Raptors, they contained him a bit, just as about, about as well as you could. I got to give credit to Jamal Murray, the Canadian man. Like, I mean, I know, I know everyone watching wants to talk about the referees and, and we will, right? And we have so far, but um, you got to give some of the guys on this Nuggets team credit. And I'm, and I'm starting with Jamal Murray. Like his his clutch factor in this game, Oren, has is incredible. Um, I know you you know a lot about Jamal. Obviously, you cover Canada basketball pretty deeply. So um, we won't get into Jamal um, now, unless you want to, Oren. But do you have anything to say, really quick, about? Uh, you know, one of the best basketball Canadian basketball players right now on the planet. And I, are you muted or am I, am I not? Here? Yeah, 
He's my bad. He's definitely clutch. Shown it in the playoffs. I feel like every playoffs, like on that stage, he's always better than he is in regular season. He always starts season slow and picks it up. So I do think he's like a big game player, a fourth quarter player, and you know, credit to him and and a, a couple of like him and Porter Jr. made nine threes in this game. And obviously, like you said, Jokic was held in check. The Raptors always kind of do that they dare the other guys to beat them and credit to those guys for shooting so efficiently murray took over late um i wanted to just say that the nuggets have the best net rating by miles in the clutch this season so this is not an easy team to beat i think the reason i was saying to you like off air the reason this is so upsetting is not because the raptors fell apart or anything like they played a good game denver was just better in the clutch and that happens against denver but the reason it's upsetting is because how it went down with the refereeing and so many calls going against the Raptors at the end of the game. It just didn't feel fair, I guess, would be an accurate way. And I I just saw this hilarious clip of, like, when Scott Foster ejects Scotty Barnes and his <laughs> other ref, just like, he's like, he's like, what? Who? Because clearly Scotty didn't say anything that egregious or else. And that, and that for, for, for the listeners – yeah, for the listeners, that referee was right beside Scotty Barnes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, when he yeah, tossed he's it. In it, yeah, he's so. So he's if he's confused, so are so are the Raptors. So, like, yeah. my question is, what did Scotty Barnes say? Yeah, or even do because it didn't look like he did anything with you his hands or did any something really bad. If you're to get an get immediate ejection, just, right? Just to no, because I think it was his second tech, right? Oh, okay, okay, it must have been. Um. I don't know. Did you not see a tech earlier in the game? I did. I personally didn't see one, but I, I don't know. I was. Yeah, I mean, I watched double, the whole game. Yeah. Double tech him. That would be crazy. But no, I think it was his his second tech. And but yeah, you're right. You have to say something really egregious for that to happen. And clearly, he didn't because this ref is so confused. So, anyways, that's that's enough about the refereeing. Let's get into some of the basketball because okay, we were talking about Murray. So I thought this game was really interesting in a lot of ways. It really showed the versatility of the Raptors roster. Um, some good, some bad. So, like, they put Barnes on Murray in the clutch. And the yeah. reason they did that instead of Fred is because then they can switch the Jokic pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And Fred doesn't go on to Jokic. Um, OG then goes on to Murray. And 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 um, Scotty goes on to... Jokic Mm -hmm. but so like that's great to have that versatility and and to kind of hold that pick and roll in check but then you also saw you know Scotty's not as good as a point of attack defender as Fred so the problem with that is if if Murray decides to just reject the screen and go at Scotty which he did a couple times late in the game uh he can get past him and so I I thought that was interesting in terms of like navigating do you want to just put Fred on this guy and 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 then deal with what happens in the pick and roll, but at least in isolation he can stay in front of him? Or do you want to put Scotty on him? Um, they elected to go to Scotty, and it works some of the times, other times not. It was also just interesting that they put OG on uh, Jokic for most of this game, and I thought from what I saw, Pirtle was a really effective help defender kind of on Eric Gordon, but like roaming really in the paint. He had that one huge stop with a few huge. minutes. 
went off Gordon and um, the Raptors got the ball. So, yeah, on both ends, the Raptors were just like such an interesting to me. This was the most like realized version of the Raptors when we talk about like Vision 6 9 and all of the versatility that brings on both ends of the floor. Like I mentioned, on one of the floor and then on the other, it was like, okay. Fred and Pirtle will run a pick and roll. Next possession, Siakam and Pirtle will run a pick and roll. And then last possession, Scotty and Pirtle run that pick and roll on the play that got fouled and then overturned. So it's just like really hard to plan against that, I think. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Didn't go the Raptors way tonight uh, in the clutch, but I thought that they had all the tools that they needed to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned the matchups first. I think that was one of the most intriguing storylines heading into the game. Whenever the Raptors go up against one of these top five, six, seven players um, in the league, whether it's Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, whoever it is, um, one of the things that I think fans are most worried about is how will Nick Nurse defensively um, stifle some of these stars, right? We've seen some things with... um, with Joel Embiid, I mean, OG Ananobi being thrown on Joel Embiid. It seems like OG Ananobi is the guy now because OG Ananobi has been thrown on Joel Embiid. He's been thrown on Nikola Jokic now. And, and he did, again, like I said, they contained him pretty well. You mentioned Ayaka Pirtle on, on that one play, I believe, in the fourth quarter where um, he got that steal right underneath the net. Was it a steal or was it a turnover for them? Uh, it was like, yeah, he hit it off uh, Gordon's leg. And Gordon. It might as well have been a steal, though. It might as well have been a steal. I think... One thing that was important is that before that, earlier in the game, those doubles were coming for Jokic, and they were coming all over the court. I mean, one thing I, I appreciate so much about Nikola Jokic is that he, his ability to operate from any point in the court, whether it's beyond the three-point line, on the elbow, at the top, super low underneath the post, underneath the rim, 10 feet away from the free-throw line, it seems like his vision of the court, he can see everything. He knows where everybody is. You could see him, honestly. It's one of those things, Oren, when you, you know when you watch uh, – have you ever seen that viral um, soccer video of Xavi, the midfielder Xavi, the Spanish midfielder, where he's where he's constantly, like, looking around him in a span of, like, 10 seconds. He's looking left, right, left, right, left, right to see exactly where every single player on the pitch is for him. I feel like that is exactly what Jokic does all the time, whether he has the ball or not. He's constantly looking around to see, okay, I got Aaron Gordon here. Okay, I got this guy here. And sometimes he's even directing guys when they're running some of these actions. So Jokic, for me, it's 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 so impressive because in a game where you could probably say you contained him better than 95% of, that the league could, you still look at Jokic and you can still see positives and why this guy's maybe leading, I think, the MVP race at this point in the season. Um, and at this point, I mean, Orin, if he wins three in a row, I mean, we're already talking about a guaranteed Hall of Famer in my point, in my, in my uh, opinion. But if we're talking three MVPs in a row, I don't know. I don't remember the last time anyone's done that. So, um, he's yeah. He, 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 he affects every single play on the offensive end. And I watched a lot of the Nuggets, and this wasn't even a great example of, like, a clutch time Jokic game. But, like, I was literally, like, not confident that the Raptors are going to win because every game in the last seven minutes, Jokic just – just controls everything and it's so impossible to stop him. The only way to beat the Nuggets in the clutch is to score. Like you're not going to get the stops required. And again, I brought up the matchups because I think the Raptors are pretty uniquely suited to get some stops and they did get some stops, 
that wasn't actually the problem. It was the offensive end dried up late in the game. Um, but yeah, like you have to outscore the Nuggets in the clutch because Jokic is just guaranteed in the end of the game when he really wants it to to be efficient. And and Murray deserves credit too. Their two man game is what the Nuggets always go to at the end of the game. And most teams just have no answer. You can't switch it because Jokic will pummel, pummel you in the post. Yeah. You you can't drop because Murray will shoot. Like there's not much you can do. And the Raptors again, they had some real answers. Um, in some ways, they got unlucky. Like the Nuggets hit every important shot down the stretch. Um, but more importantly, I think the Raptors just didn't. Their offense dried up late in the game. Yeah, and every important free throw as well, um, which is tough to do because, I mean, I, I don't want to fawn too much over who I think is leading the MVP race in Jokic, but we even mentioned that that super high IQ play where. The screen's coming downhill towards him. He's he's on defense, and he has Jakob Pertl essentially on his hip, and he's holding him. And it's clear. It's it's not clear enough where you'd consider an off-the-ball foul, but it's clear enough where they call it. And now Jakob Pertl's going to the line, a 60% free throw shooter who misses two in a, key, in, a, in a key moment in the game, right? And I don't think any Raptors fan expected Jakob to go up there and hit both in a row. I mean, most Raptors fans were probably just hoping for one. Um and, and that's been a storyline, I think, with Jakob Pertl. He's been struggling to kind of fix that free throw form. Um, it's not something that I'm going to hold against Jakob because it's just – it is what it is at that point. He played a fantastic game. Uh, I mean, I was counting my blessings, I felt like, during the game. The, the Raptors finally had a guy who could set great screens, roll to the rim, finish at the rim at a very, very high efficiency. And we're, we saw another great Jakob Pertl game. Um, against one of the best centers in the league. Uh, first quarter, or and I know you didn't, I don't know if you saw it at all, but I mean, if we're if we're doing this like a boxing match or a UFC where you know you're going round by round, Jakob Portal won that round against against uh Nikola Jokic, was which was incredible. So um I gotta give Jakob Portal some credit. I gotta give the MVP, uh, sorry, the not the MVP, the for, the former MVP, the guy who's leading the MVP race in Nikola Jokic some credit as well. Jamal Murray, we talked about. Had a fantastic game. I feel like, or in this this Denver Nuggets team is just perfectly structured around this offensive fulcrum of Nikola Jokic. Like it's it's you have Aaron Gordon, who's just an a, an amazing weak side defender, a guy who can come in, cut whenever you need him to cut, a good finisher at the rim, and you have a bunch of other guys. I mean, Will Barton leaves. You still got Bruce Brown, who I, I mean. I guess he's a pretty good rotation player. Um, I mean, he was great. I thought in, in his role with with Brooklyn, yeah. Um, so uh, Reggie yeah, Reggie man. Jackson is probably the one guy that I. I mean, uh, he had some shots. I mean, he had a really tough shot in that game, but hey, the team's he, just perfectly crafted around him. So I mean, there's only yeah. so much you can do. It just hurts, Oren. The last thing I want to say before we move on is it just hurts that the Raptors played, in my opinion, one of their best games of the year versus best games of the year versus one of the best teams in the league, and they just couldn't get it done. And the circumstances surrounding the end just made it hurt that much more. Yeah, for sure. It would have been a big win. Like, this is your toughest opponent. You got two L.A. teams coming up. Those teams, I know it sounds, L.A., wow, they're pretty bad, both of those teams. So this is this would have been a huge win to be able to get and walk into L.A. and, and maybe even get two or three. Now those L.A. games become must-win. Um, 
But yeah, like Denver's been my pick to come out of the West. They just feel a bit inevitable, like I say, in the clutch. If it's a close game, I just kind of believe that Jokic is going to create the best shots for his team. And he has enough shooting around him where they just feel inevitable at the end of the game. But I want to ask you this because Jimmy Pope says that contested mid that Spicy took was bad. Got to be smarter with his shots. Not sure why they went away from what was working. And that was my... Takeaway two, again, I didn't watch the first half of this game, but mm-hmm. from everything my dad was telling me when I like came home, it was like he was saying basically Pascal had a rough night and everything I watched in the second half was okay. The Fred Pirtle two-man game is working every single time. Mm-hmm. I found it surprising that they went away from that in the clutch and that it went back to Siakam iso ball. He had a turnover, then he hit a mid-range jumper, then he missed a mid-range jumper. And then once he missed it, Fred got the ball back and they started going again in that two-man game with Pirtle. And, I mean, yeah, it's ultimately one shot, one miss. It's not why the game was lost or anything like that. But what did you think about Siakam getting the ball? Like, on one hand, it's your best player. Mm-hmm. And I've said on this show like that, that I just want Siakam to decide the games. So I guess it's a bit hypocritical to change that stance. But at the same time, on a night when he doesn't have it, when a bunch of your other starters do, um, I just don't know if that was the right kind of play calling uh, towards the end of the game. So um, before, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want Mr. Wisefeld to just come at me and, and slap me across the head for complete, like not completely disagreeing, but I thought the first half Pascal Siakam had, was good. I didn't um, watch it, so I'm not going to disagree. Yeah, My dad I, I would disagree, I, but that's fine. He, he was he was He's hitting. He was actually analyst. So <laughs> no, no, we won't go that far. But he was hitting that mid range shot. And he was hitting some tough shots as well. And I think he's been doing that all season long. It's not something where. It's almost, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, Pascal Siakam's really hitting his mid-ranges tonight. I mean, he's been doing that all year long, tough shots from the mid-range. He was, at one point, it it almost looked automatic in the first half. Um, But the point you made still stands. And I think they went away from that because it didn't work one play, which sucks. Because, you know, that play, like I I mentioned earlier, I think it was 118 left in the fourth. Um, It was tough because... Fred, I mean, I think Nikola Jokic swiped at the ball with his left hand and Fred, I I guess, I don't know, touched the ball or whatever. It looked like Fred just lost the ball on his way up as he was coming downhill. But Nick was adamant that 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 was a foul. That's when Nick really started going on the reps is when Fred, yeah, had that turnover. Uh, Nick seemed very confident that it was a foul, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean... From what it looked like in real time, it didn't look like a foul. I didn't see a replay. I'm not even sure if they showed a replay. Maybe I just was just so heartbroken that he missed the shot. Um, it's it's tough, or it's one of those situations where it's just like, I mean, I agree with you. Pascal's the guy. Like, if there's one ISO guy in the game that you wanted to have it in the last, what, minute, two minutes of the game and just let him do what he wants um, and just take advantage of those one-on-one matchups, because at the end of the day, during this season, he's been hitting some of those shots, right? And teams have paid uh, because the doubles will come and Pascal will take advantage and he'll find a guy in the weak side corner, whether it's Gary. We saw we saw it happen earlier this week with Gary Trent Jr. Like, guys, you know, become open because of stars. We saw that with Jokic. We saw that with Jamal Murray late in the game. And we saw that, and we see that, we've seen that all season long with Pascal Siakam. So, um, 
it, it's tough. I think it's it's one of those things where it's like the one time you want to go away from your star, this is probably it. Because Fred and and and, and Jakob Pertl's, uh what they had going on, that chemistry was just like it, it, Nuggets had no answer for it. I thought in the first quarter when they called their first timeout, they were going back in saying, "Okay, we got we got an idea of what we're gonna do with this Pascal." Or sorry, this uh, Jakob Pertl and, and Fred VanVleet high pick and roll, but there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing, and and they went to it like I said, and it failed. And and then they said, you know what, we're we're abandoning this. And maybe that's just the thing, Warren. Maybe that's just one of those things where it's like Pascal has that type of that type of power and gravity and say on his team. Where when things don't go well, one possession and it's late in the game, he's gonna demand the ball. And I don't know if any player can really tell him no. This isn't. It's tough because, again, this isn't a game that I'm blaming on Pascal Siakam. It's not a game for that missed mid-range shot. It's not a game I'm blaming on Jakob Pertl for missing those free throws. It's not a game I'm missing on Fred for losing the ball like that, right? Um, it's not even a game that I'm solely blaming on the referees. And I know a lot, a lot of people want me to do that, but I'm not I'm not doing that either. Um, I feel like all of those things had factors in in a very disappointing and heartbreaking loss for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna bring the heartbreak back though because okay. I know we got here. over it. Everyone everyone processed the trauma, moved on, but I'm I'm bringing it back because I I was pretty calm at first. I said I assumed that was a second tech. Turns out he just straight up ejected. Stock, he threw him out. I told you, which is crazy. Yeah, like giving him a tech for saying something is understandable. But to throw him out and give him a double tech at that point in the game for just talking, like, again, nobody wants to see the Scott Foster show. And this is where I will go on my rant is like, if you are a new NBA fan, for example, and you just you're you're flipping the channels, right? Just imagine this. And and sorry, I'm going to pull up something else. <laughs> that zoom in picture of the other referees. Hilarious. I'm sorry. You're flipping yeah. through the channels, and then you see a Raptors Nuggets game. Five minutes left. Oh, let me watch this. And you're watching, and in the last like minute of the game, there are two challenges and an ejection, and all of this stops the game. The challenges, none of them were clear. None of them were given a reason why it was turned this way or the other. They were they were very unclear whether like it wasn't clearly a, uh, a foul or clearly not a foul in either situation. So I just think from an NBA perspective, this is a terrible look. Like Scott Foster not only decides the game, but these challenges waste time. Nobody wants to watch them. They're they're basically pointless because you're still not sure, even if the the refs feel like, oh. We got another look. Now we think this is what happened. It's still not objective that that happened. It's still not 100% clear. So I just hate everything about the challenges. I hate everything about Scott Foster making that about himself because maybe he doesn't like Scotty and they don't have a good relationship. Like whatever it is, you can't decide a game by throwing out one of their best players in a moment like that. And yeah, I, I, I really thought that was a really bad, like even watching it, I was pretty bummed out by all the stoppages late in the game. And I think from like an NBA perspective, from a new fan perspective, if they just tune in and watch that game, they would be really like not 
eager to watch another NBA game because that is just not entertainment. Uh, that's not how you entertain a fan base. Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, I tweeted word for word. I'm still in complete shock. I haven't seen NBA officials so, bl- and maybe this is like a little extreme, but I-, I tweeted, I haven't seen NBA officials so blatantly take over a game like that in a long, long time. Heartbreak for Toronto. Um, I mean, it's tough. It just is what it is. It's one of those things where, I mean, you look at the end of the game and you and you say, Toronto doesn't shoot 50% as a team very often, and they did it in this game, and uh, they still came away with a loss. Funny enough, the Raptors and the Nuggets both attempted 86 field goals and both made exactly 43. Both teams shot 50%. Um, just tough. Very tough. I mean, one assist apart from both teams. Just a very identical game. Rebounds are the exact same as well. Uh, there's not there's not much that separated these two teams. And I know a lot of fans are going to look back at this and say, this is the best team in the West, the Denver Nuggets. They deserve that, right? Like they've done, I mean, they've played, where's my math? 46, 19, 65 games so far. They've won 46 of them. Like this is a very good basketball team. And when you can come into Denver, high, high altitude, right? Um, You're, you're, you have some good momentum. The Raptors, I think came into this game winning six of seven, if I'm not mistaken. So, you have some pretty good momentum of how you played the last two weeks. Um, I mean, in the week, including the one prior to the all-star break as well. But um, yeah, you walk into Denver high altitude and, and it's the toughest team in the league. What looks like by record and you play, you play your butt off and, and it ends like that. It's just, it's really, really unfortunate. Um, it just is. I don't know what else to say. I just don't, yeah, I just, I don't know what else to say. That's a great tweet by Alex, like like usual with, with Stephen LeBron. Yeah. yeah, give him a round of applause, baby. For all of our podcast listeners, Warren's <laughs> showing a tweet from Stephen underscore LeBron, our friend Alex. And he tweeted, Scott Foster, when it's time to become the main character in the final minute of an NBA game. And the video... <laughs> The video is, I believe, some sort of relief pitcher coming out to a standing ovation. Yeah, you don't uh, know who he is. He's the Mets closer. He every oh, game no he comes out to the horn. Some guy plays the the sax. You have no idea. Anyways, that's that's enough. Yeah. That was a okay. tough game, but hey, the Raptors are playing better, man. And they are. And if they take care of business against the teams that are worse than them, like the Clippers and the Lakers who are coming up. Like the Clippers and the Lakers, right? Those are the next two games, or am I tripping? No, they got, yeah, they got the Clippers Wednesday night uh, in yeah. L.A., and yeah. they're staying in L.A. for Friday night, really yeah. late game versus the Lakers, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. So Yeah, those are um, and super then, winnable. Yeah. Like, the, like LeBron's out, obviously, for the Lakers. The Clippers are an absolute mess of a team. The Raptors, if they just take care of business the rest of the season, they're going to be fine. They're going to be in a good spot, six, seven, eight seed. Um, and and obviously, it, it'd be nice to get some wins against better teams like Denver. But it's at least nice that the Raptors are playing better as of late. They look a lot more versatile with Pirtle in play. They can do a lot more on both ends of the floor. He's been just great like individually like forget about what he makes the raptors individually he just is like playing like a top 12 center in the league i don't know 
he's just been phenomenal. So um, it's exciting to watch competitive basketball, which I didn't know we would be getting at this point in the season. It's exciting that the Raptors can compete with any team, even the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. But they haven't figured out how to win those games, which is a very important next step. Like, this has been the problem all season. They've, they've been in close games with really good teams all season, but they can't figure out how to win them. And um, this was another example, although, again, I, I find it hard to blame the Raptors for this one. Scott. Boss. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first step, the first, <laughs> the first step to winning those late games is going to be, um, I guess, making sure that a man with the last name Foster is not the head referee of that of that game that night. Um, like, like we said, literally can't ref uh, Chris Paul games anymore because, like, he's he's literally yeah. been too unfair to Chris Paul. So, I find that yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked. Like we said, Clippers Wednesday night. Lakers Friday night. Oren, I mentioned right when we started um, that you were watching some basketball even before this Nuggets game. Do you want to uh, let everyone in on uh, what you were doing? Sure, I'll quickly because we got to wrap this up soon. But I was at the Raptors 905 game versus the G League Ignite in Mississauga. It was actually a lot of fun. Pretty, pretty good attendance. really good game until again a different ref whose name i don't know gave uh scoot henderson a second technical and we're all there to watch scoot henderson the number two pick in this upcoming draft and it was just a soft technical like the the first one he deserved but the second one it was just a soft technical threw him out and then from there the 905 went on a run and just destroyed the ignite uh in the fourth quarter so that was a lot of roughing I had to deal with today, but the scoot was, it wasn't his best game ever, but he, he looked great. I mean, he's an exciting player and, and um, he's huge and he never stops moving and he's really unselfish and he didn't really start taking over that game until like late in the third quarter. And the Raptors, we're great. Like Jeff Doughton outplayed Scoot Henderson. He took that game personally and he just dominated the Scoot matchup. I, I was telling Samson who I was there with, like, why is Jeff Doughton in Mississauga right now? He's proved everything he can prove in the G League. Doesn't make sense. He's not with the Raptors right now. It doesn't make sense. Um, Wieskamp had a bad game. Harper had a good game. Coloco had a really good game. A couple huge blocks. Um, Delano Benton didn't play, and who else is a Raptor? I think that was pretty much it. So, yeah, it was it was a fun night. I would recommend people go catch a nine oh five game because they have a good team, and you can get good cheap tickets. How did uh, how did uh, was Leonard Miller playing? Oh yeah, Leonard Miller played. That's actually why I went to write a story about Leonard Miller. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say there's there's, there's no way you were just there for Scoop. Yeah, it wasn't Leonard's best game um of the season but yeah he's still pretty raw but he's like a six eight athletic guy good cutter good rebounder um so he'll be an interesting prospect he's a very raptorsy guy like i don't think the raptors will take him because they have so many raptorsy guys already but in terms of like good defender uh motor transition rebounder not a shooter um not great feel for the game at times 
he fits a lot of Raptors boxes, but so yeah, that's the type of player he is. And um, he has a cool story too. So yeah, hopefully he'll get drafted. I think he will. He's had a really, really impressive G League season considering he just finished high school. Uh, He's averaging like a double-double in the G League against grown men. So he's been better than I expected him to be this year. And uh, yeah, that's the update. Yeah. um, Liban Osman. So look out for both Liban Osman. Well, Liban Osman already published his, but look out for Yeah, Liban's written two stories about... um, Leonard, and that's how I know that he has a cool story about growing up in Mississauga. And his his older brother was a hooper and stopped playing because he wanted to help his two younger brothers kind of play and get to their practices and all that. And now both of his younger brothers could make the NBA next season. Emmanuel Miller is also really, really good in his fourth year, um, likely an NBA guy. So it's a cool story. And yeah, read so- these pieces. Yeah, Liban Osman, digital producer at the Toronto Star, posted a an incredible story on Leonard Miller. There's also a great story coming out soon from Warren Weisfeld. Obviously, I'm sure by now, if you are with us every almost every night on Wrap Up Live, you follow Warren Weisfeld on Twitter. Um, so that should be coming soon. I'm excited for that. Oren. Oh, that'll be near the draft. Sorry. It's gonna okay. Later, oh, yeah. it's gonna take some time. All right. All right. It's gonna take some time. Um or and this is uh, it's difficult, man. It's difficult. This is one of the most difficult losses I think on the season. But I'm glad we got to recap it together. Uh, we appreciate everybody for watching. Um, we've done almost 40 minutes, which is not the usual, right? But I mean, we had things to talk about, and you know, this was a therapy session for all of us Raptors fans. So. We appreciate all of you guys being here tonight. If you haven't already, please like the video. It helps us on the YouTube algorithm. We really appreciate it. Uh, Subscribe to both the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, subscribe to the Rapcast on Raptors Republic. We appreciate all of you guys. Again, like I said, having you here tonight. Fortunately, tonight, very unfortunately, your Raptors were defeated by the Denver Nuggets 118 to 113, bringing the Raptors record to 32 wins and 34 losses on the season they've got the la clippers uh on wednesday night so yes raptors fans we are going to see Kawhi leonard just not in toronto um which should be fun Oren, do you have any last words before we uh before we move on and we move on to these two la teams scott foster probably hates scotty because growing (laughs) up it was like you know when you're like like, I don't know if you had this. I didn't have this. But when you have the same name as someone else and now yeah. no one ever knows what to call you. So it's like Jonathan, John, John, you know. And then they yeah, start no, calling you like, like your second name, your last name. I would. I was always like I would hate if people called me by my last name. If I had like That's a real name. So he probably hates Scotty because Scotty, Scott, everyone named Scott, he grew up hating because people wouldn't call him Scotty, Scott growing up. No, we get it. We get it. <laughs> no, I fully do get it. Um, we gotta go. We gotta. Go. Yeah, we gotta go. Uh, luckily, luckily for me, Oren, I think I'm the only guy named Sahal. Maybe in Toronto, there may Same. be another one. There's not many um, names either out here. Uh, yeah. So, um, but thank you guys for watching. We appreciate you. Like always, we loved having each and every one of you spend time with us after. 
tonight's loss, unfortunately. We'll see you all next time on Wrap Up Live Wednesday night versus the LA Clippers. Take care and be safe.